Thanks for tuning in to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast, where we talk about your body, how it moves, and empowering you with the knowledge to manage and treat your pain or discomfort. You will also get an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at a successful private practice. You have the questions, and we have the answers. Now let's get moving. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast. I'm your host, Matt. And your co-host, Allie. Appreciate you guys joining us for our August Clinical Corner episode. <laughs> August, Here we are. You think, what, back to school? Back to school. You mm-hmm. know, everybody's getting ready, school supply shopping. Or getting, just back to football, really. Yeah, <laughs> football season's ramping up. Allie, did you wear uniforms in school? I know you went to some private schools. Yes, I did, all my life. So... Did that take the thrill out of back-to-school shopping, or were you still excited to, like, was there shoe options? Or <laughs> That's actually funny. I am old enough to where um, we did have to wear specific shoes with our uniform, yeah. but then I was also in that middle gap to where they changed that halfway through my high school, and then we got to wear whatever shoes, and it was, you know, so nice. <laughs> I went to Catholic grade school Liberating. in high school, and uh, I remember in grade school, Eastlands were the shoe that everybody yeah. wore. Did you Eastlands. guys wear those? I, ha- I have no idea what those are. They were like leather, like boat shoe okay. type, you know, shoes. They're back in style now. I know. I know. I don't think I kept them. Ever, but <laughs> yeah. So. But with, you know, back to sport, back to school, back to all this, what comes with that pain? People might have a pain in the neck. <laughs> <laughs> if your kids are like mine, no, I'm just kidding. Oh. Um, but yeah, so we're talking about this article today. Um, it's a long title. It's Neck Pain Clinical Prediction Rule to Prescribe Combined Aerobic and Neck Specific Exercise Secondary Analysis of a Randomized Controlled Trial. Do you pick articles based on how long the title is? I am trying to set a record. Okay. Yes. <laughs> We're we need doing, a word count on breaking, just the title. Yeah, we're breaking the record monthly. So, are we preparing our students? Are the students back in school? Does that mean PT students are going back? Yeah, a special shout out actually to the Mount St. Joe uh, PT class, the third years. I was invited to speak at their leadership day uh, this past. Uh, it was at the end of August, oh so gosh. just a couple weeks ago. So, you mean I, July? Or yeah, end of July. We're Jeez. just starting August. <laughs> oh my gosh, we'd be a month late. Yeah, at the end of July. Um, but yeah, I did mention the podcast, so hopefully uh, the the students that I talked to are tuning in, and hope you guys did well on your mini clinicals. And That's awesome. Best of luck in school coming up here. So you'll have to that tell me exciting. more about that. Yeah, it was fun. You know, just uh, they ask a couple different leaders in uh, PT, you know, to kind of come in and just talk a little bit about you know, what administration and leadership looks like uh, combined with clinical care and kind of the pathway to get there. So The real-life situation of PT outside of school. That's right, yeah. And you get to show them how cool you are and how cool of a place Oxford is to work. I don't, half of them left. I don't know oh. what that means. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody walked out, okay. and uh, so I think they were all It's a good okay. sign. It's a good yeah. start. Yeah, yeah, we did okay. So, so do we have a question for those students? Yeah, so um, we always do try to give a question for students. So I want you guys to be kind of ears listening for the clinical prediction rule, um, which is like the set of criteria uh, that would indicate what kind of patient this uh, intervention would work on. So Clinical prediction? What are we, witches? That's right. So Fortune tellers. 
So we've talked about these randomized controlled trials before. Uh, it's where, you know, the patient and the clinician doesn't know what group they're working with. So they kind of randomize people into it. So is in, this like when they do clinical trials and you're like, am I getting the placebo? That's right. Oh. Yep. So no, no, uh, no one was harmed in the form uh, <laughs> making of this article. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but 69 patients were in this trial, so a pretty decent amount, uh, and it was across multiple PT outpatient clinics. Um, and patients went uh, twice a week for six weeks, and they followed up six months afterwards. So uh, pretty decent study, um, you know, in terms of being applicable and very real world, real world um, because that's, you know, pretty typical of what a, a patient might undergo. So... Uh, this article was actually came out of Israel, so it's, uh, the Department of Physical Therapy at some colleges and with their public health uh, system in Israel. So, um, you know, a lot of the European and uh, foreign countries are a little more uh, forward thinking when it comes to this retrospective analysis because oh. uh, with the socialized systems they have, they're always trying to control cost and. Um, you know, our listeners are so well-informed and intelligent that they know <laughs> that outpatient physical therapy is a great way to help lower cost, improve outcome, and get folks feeling better quicker. Just working with what we got here. That's right. And uh, in Europe, they're great because they, they know that they have direct access. They so know. They're um, just so well-informed about what they have access to. So if you're having neck pain... Uh, and you listening to this episode, just remember at the end, you know, when you hear about these interventions and how patients got better, you have that access as well. That was a new way to introduce that. I'm trying to be fresh. <laughs> I Allie. appreciate it. I'm trying to be fresh. I'm sure our know. listeners do too. Yeah. So Israel, they have physical therapy. Yeah, exactly. So they, after they do this uh, study, they look at what are the criteria that made people successful. So it's kind of like almost retrospective. So the two different groups that were in there uh, was basically a neck-specific exercise group. So uh, that was folks that were doing, you know, neck-specific uh, program based on the PT's examination. So it could be flexibility, could be strengthening type things. Um, but a universally accepted standard of care for, for neck pain. Um, and then the second group did that same type of program, uh, standardized you know neck pain uh, progression, except they added aerobic exercise in. Now, when you say aerobic, mm -hmm. I'm thinking of the 80s with the leggings and the big hair. Yeah, they had to put on leg warmers <laughs> and, and dance like Richard Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but be for real. Let's what? get physical. Okay. Physical. I knew this would turn into something yeah, good. Yeah, it went downhill. What? It, what's like? So when we say aerobic, yeah. uh, it's basically um, cardio. What commonly would be called cardio. Okay. You know, so aerobic exercise is exercise that's going to get your heart rate up. Exercising aerobic muscles, which are endurance. You know, your um, again your cardiovascular. System. As opposed to what? Uh, anaerobic exercise. Anaerobic. anaerobic is more like strengthening quick burst muscles when you're doing like resistance. Is so, like hitch training? If Similar, but like if people went to the gym and they did like a strengthening program, that would be the anaerobic part. So if people are usually going and they do, say, 30 minutes of machine and 30 minutes on the treadmill, the machines are the strengthening, the anaerobic exercise, uh, the 
treadmill, elliptical, stairmaster, bike is the aerobic exercise. Okay. That's what we talk about in physical therapy. So uh, with this group, to dig a little bit into kind of the next specific, um, they, they used uh, flexibility exercises for anterior and medial scalenes, pec major, suboccipitals. Uh, they did isometric cervical extension, flexion, shoulder protraction, seated rows, shoulder elevation in the scapular plane, and shoulder abduction with external rotation. They had all patients begin with light resistance, and once they were able to do 30 reps and a three-second hold, uh, they sequentially progressed to medium heavy and extra heavy. And advancement was based on their pain uh, and neck movement. Um, the aerobic portion, so that's that was universal between both groups. Oh, that was the control. That's interesting because I thought you were going to say something with the aerobics that were added to the second group because you said neck exercises and these are all exercises that are like with their arms and their shoulders true and what we do a lot of times uh, the muscles listed there were muscles in the neck but a Mm -hmm. lot of times we're strengthening the shoulder and shoulder blade the scapula we call it um, to basically give a better foundation for the neck so it's all in the chain correct that's right that's (laughs) right so we tell patients think about your neck like the second story of your house and your shoulders and shoulder blades might be your foundation. Okay. So if we get a good foundation, the second story walls aren't going to crack and, and sag and you'll be good. There we go. That's when I need to, I start lear- like fixing my posture when we start talking about these Allie things. Allie <laughs> is sitting up much straighter right now. So um, the aerobic portion um, was added to, like I said, the second group. So it was moderate cycling. So 60% of the age predicted maximum heart rate for 20 minutes. Um, During the first 30 minutes, the second 45 minutes, and each week that was increased. And they were doing that twice a week. They were encouraged to do aerobic exercise on their own intermittently uh, throughout the study if they could or wanted to. Interesting. And some did and some didn't. You can see all that in, in I the wonder if there. these patients were, you know, in on the joke when they were like, I'm on a bike to fix my neck. Well, a lot of times, you know, that's why I thought this article might be good to kind of review because a lot of times patients, I think, uh, think we picked up the wrong chart. And yeah. We go over and we're like, <laughs> hey, we're going to have you on the bike to warm up today. And they're like, wait a minute, I it's my neck, neck or my yeah. back or something, you know, unrelated like my shoulder. Yeah. It's like, well. Blood flow. How many times have we talked about blood flow on the podcast and different articles mm-hmm. and we talk about modalities that we do like dry needling yep. or cupping and it's all relates back to this blood flow, right? So you shouldn't just hang upside down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think our best way to get blood flow is to use our body's natural system to pump yeah. it. Yep. So if we can get, get the, the heart, heart pumping, pumping, get yep. the lungs pumping, we're gonna get that blood flow to areas that typically are devoid of great circulation. And one thing we know about, um, you know, if you have neck pain or back pain, you can kind of feel tightness in that area. And a lot of times that's uh, ischemia. So it's a lack of great blood supply. Because muscles, you know, if you think about your fist, muscles are meant to pump. They're meant to squeeze and contract. So if you make a fist and let it go, that's a muscle's job. If you make a fist and you hold it and you left it that way for several minutes, your hand starts to ache and hurt. And that's what happens with muscles that are on a big stretch or muscles that are getting forced to contract all the time. 
they're not getting that pumping action, that in and out blood flow. See, I, I think I would learn so much faster with all of these <laughs> analogies that you make. Yeah, well, we try, you know. Visual and learner here. And, and that's why, you know, that's, uh, you know, I was joking earlier about, you know, thinking that the patient, they had the wrong chart when <laughs> we asked them to get on the bike. But, you know, many people do ask, like, hey, what is this going to do? Or why am I doing this? And, you know, it is tough because we all are busy, right? So we carve out, okay, I'm going to physical therapy and I, I'm going to go twice a week and I got to get this neck pain better. And then you're like, okay, we're going to ride the bike for 20 minutes. What? Yeah. Like, that's valuable time. Yeah. We get that. We totally get that. But we don't want to take for granted patients' time. So that's why we try to use the evidence here. And what the evidence is telling us is that if we can make that investment and we can add some aerobic exercise to it, um, we're going to get a better result at outcome. So um, it was interesting when they looked at the outcome measures, they looked at the global rating of change scale. So it's basically asking the patient overall on a scale uh, from when you started till now, how much better are you? And it goes from, you know, seven different markers. Those are really common. We use those in our clinics. Um, they also looked at secondary uh, measures of physical examination of deep neck flexor endurance. So that's a test that's been linked to neck pain and headaches. And so there's normative value uh, on how long people can hold that position. It's like a strength test, basically. Um, so they're trying to measure, you know, are they feeling better? Are they getting stronger? And then they also did self-reported questionnaires. And so this is where it gets interesting. <laughs> yeah. So we do these self-reported questionnaires to um, patients that are listening probably love when we hand them a clipboard and a pen and say, we got to fill these out today. Here's your but essay. It, it does uh, match so that, you know, the patient is having a way to gauge their progress uh, on their own scale, as well as we try to use some of these objective measures. Do you see ever any like obscurities, like if they tell you it hurts, but then they fill these out and it's like completely wildly different? It is at times, and I think people, you know, sometimes we have short-term memory loss. I think you start feeling better, and so, you know, now it really bothers you when you do this one very specific thing, like, oh, I still can't turn my head to the left and look down into, you know, get my seatbelt <laughs> well, out. Okay. Whereas when you came in, you couldn't even, like, hold your head up without a headache, okay. you know. So we do have to help frame, you know, progress, and... We do a lot of, you know, helping keep people throughout that, you know, six or eight week process. Like, hey, you know, look at this range of motion you had when you started. Look at it now. You know, right. and so I think it does help patients to see that. But um, that's why the before and after reports are so important. That's right. That's right. So. And we uh, again, there's a nice graph that kind of shows they they had some criteria they looked at for a successful uh, outcome. And when you look at the neck pain with aerobic exercise it far outweighed uh, just the specific neck exercise group alone. So after they look at who had the successful outcome, then they go back and look at what we talked about in the beginning, and the students, this is where you should be working okay. up, this clinical prediction rule. So now they know, okay, this group did better than that group. What are the criteria in that group that might uh, allow us to predict who is going to do well with this intervention? And so like what type of patient? Yeah. What are okay. the criteria of those patients? So of the 69 patients, the thing that they looked at was uh, people that had symptoms less than six months. So kind of an earlier onset of neck pain, um, neck flexor endurance that was greater than 18 seconds. So 
uh, on the scale, that would be someone who's still weak, but not terribly, terribly weak. And the third one was absence of referred pain. So that means no pain down the arm. And when you think about those criteria to the clinicians out there, that kind of makes sense. That's someone who's had a recent onset of neck pain. Uh, They have some weakness, but it's not terribly significant, and they don't have pain down their arm. If you think about the converse, let's say you think about a patient that's been dealing with neck pain for a year. They have pain down their arm. Isn't that like a heart attack? No, I mean... Referred pain is a category, so oh. when you have a heart attack, you get referred pain, but lots of different other things can refer pain. Good to your, know. Your neck, <laughs> yeah, your neck often refers pain down the arm, uh, you know, from the nerve. Um, but you wouldn't want to take that type of patient and, you know, uh, have a heavy exercise intervention. Um, so it makes sense for the clinical prediction rule, um, the things that are going to help. So it doesn't mean that patients that don't fit this clinical prediction rule and have neck pain can't get better. It just means the intervention we choose might be different. Okay. We have so many tools at our disposal as physical therapists. And uh, that's one thing that you will see at Oxford is that it's an individualized treatment plan. If we brought every single patient in and just did this approach, we're only going to help a subset of people. It's not going to help everyone. So we're always looking at, you know, what is the latest, greatest to allow us to identify the groups and what they specifically need. And as a patient, when you come in and you do the evaluation, this background is all what's going through your physical therapist's mind. And this is what they're, you know, pulling on these resources to say, hey, this is what's going to work with you because of these criteria. And that's where this clinical prediction rule comes from. Very cool. So it's not anything like wizardry or or fortune telling. Well, you know, sometimes we use smoke and mirrors. (laughs) (laughs) So we always talk about working up the chain or down the chain and, but that might not be true for everybody. Um, I think it's true for everybody. I think again, in this instance, if you look at the heart of what the next specific exercise was, it was heavily focused on scapular and shoulder, and the aerobic exercise really is, you know, the ultimate chain because that's back to the heart. So at the end, yeah, I think it is. You know, it's just saying that, um, you know, I think this has promise. And, uh, you know, unfortunately on a larger scale as we look at the global health issues, um, you know, with things like obesity and mm-hmm. diabetes and all these other global health issues on the rise, uh, as physical therapists, we're dealing with progressively less healthy patients and convincing people to move, convincing people to do things is getting harder because it's more foreign to them, you know? So I think using, uh, articles and studies like this to say, Hey, research is going to show if we can get you doing this for six weeks and we build you up 20, 30, 45 minutes, just think about the power at the end of that six weeks. This this shows, okay, they came in with neck pain. Mm-hmm. They're going to feel better in their neck if they can do this for six weeks. But imagine the trickle-down effects this is going to have on some of the other, you know, potential issues. They, you know, obviously aerobic exercise has been shown to help lots of things, right? Heart disease, diabetes, weight management, stress. So all these other sort of things are secondary benefits. So I like the fact that we're here talking about an intervention that's helping neck pain and there's no downside, right? right? There's more upside. If you watch TV and you see those commercials and you hear about medications, gosh, uh, the list the of side, side effects, effects is yep. worse than the problem you're treating. <laughs> it's so a short film of scary movies. Yeah. So <laughs> on, on this treatment, 
the side effects are nil. So yeah. I think it's pretty exciting. Well, we're working up the chain and down the chain. Everything's getting better along with it. Huh? That's right. I like that. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in for our August Clinical Corner article. And guess what? There will be another one next month. That's right. Looking (laughs) forward to seeing you all soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at OxfordPhysicalTherapy.com. And you can also find us on our social media pages like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. Remember, you do not need a doctor's referral to receive physical therapy in the state of Ohio and Kentucky, where we offer double the care for less than half the cost. You can schedule appointments online or stop into any center for a free screen, what we like to call a bee visit. Please write a review, send us a comment or message on our social media platforms, and until next time, keep it moving!